Matthew chapter 27. If you'll stand with us in reverence to the Word of God and prayer, do pray for us this morning. God will give us liberty. It's good to be in the Lord's house on Easter Sunday. Amen. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. You find your place. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Verse number 3, His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, All hell. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priest all things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while he slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, he will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll bless now the reading of thy word. I ask you, Lord, to give us liberty. I pray that you will touch us and help us this morning. And may the will of God be done. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach this morning on this simple title, The Resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we have here in Matthew chapter number 28. And in this chapter, I want you to know that this chapter is marked by three things. First of all, it is marked by the life of the resurrection in verses 1 through 10. It gives us that account of the life of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then in verse number 11 down to verse number 15, it is marked by the lie of the resurrection. We know that uh, the chief priests uh, pay the soldiers, as the Bible says here, that they would lie, that Jesus really did not resurrect from the dead, but that his disciples came and we st- and stole him away. We know that is a lie because the Bible says so. If you believe the Bible, you have no problem believing what the scripture says. And then there is the Lord of the resurrection 
resurrection in verse number 18 down to verse number 20 where the Bible said that Jesus came and spake unto them saying all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus talks about his power in verse number 18. He talks about his plan in verse number 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you and lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world and there is the promise. Jesus said that if you'll go and if you'll preach the gospel the promise is I'll go with you always even unto the end of this world and can I tell you friend that's exactly what is happening. The world is not coming to an end but the world is coming to Jesus Christ. Uh, He will sit upon the throne in those final days uh, because the God that we sing about and the Christ that we worship and that we preach about. He is not dead, but thank God he is alive. Amen. And when we come to this text this morning and we see the life of this resurrection, I want you to note first of all in verses one through four, I want you to note the change here because uh, when we come from chapter 27 to chapter 28, there's a change that's about to take place. Uh, The resurrection uh, produces a change. Amen. You see this morning, the Bible said that if any man, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Whenever a person gets saved, just like when Jesus come out of the grave, whenever a sinner gets born in the family of God, they come out of the grave, amen? They come up out of the graveyard. They experience the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ that was performed on that day of resurrection. And there's a change that takes place. I notice in verse number one, uh, there's a change in those that are going. As the Bible said in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn, the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, notice this, to see the sepulcher. So there's a change in those that are going. It is the first day of the week. The Sabbath has come to an end. You say, preacher, why is that important? It's important to note that when they got there, he was already gone. Amen. While they were going to the tomb, uh, Christ was already gone. Amen. I don't believe that Jesus uh, uh, died on Good Friday. Somebody say amen. You're going to have a hard time getting three days from Friday to Sunday morning. Amen. And we know that a Jewish day began at six o'clock on Sunday uh, in the afternoon. Amen. So when they went on the first day of the week, uh, Jesus had already come up out of the grave. Amen. And my friend, Sunday is not the end of the weekend. Sunday is the beginning of the week. Amen. You see, a week doesn't begin on your work day on Monday. It begins on Sunday. Amen. This is the beginning of the week. It's the first day of the week. And so we worship on the first day of the week. Why? Because every Sunday we come to church, you know what we're doing? We're celebrating the resurrection. You see, for a child of God, every Sunday is Easter Sunday. Amen. Because we sing those songs and we assemble ourselves together what we're saying is uh, our Savior is alive. Uh, He is well. Uh, He is risen from the grave. Hallelujah. And so we worship on Sunday. Then there we see the change in them going. We see the change. It, my friend, notice in the ground. The Bible said, and behold, verse number two, there was a great earthquake. 
Now that's important because uh, the earthquake when Jesus died, amen, remember that? The Bible said the earth did quake and the rocks rent when he was at Calvary. The earthquake in his death, uh, in his crucifixion, and then the earthquake, my friend, uh, in his resurrection, amen? I'm telling you, the earthquake in sorrow as Jesus dismissed his spirit, but the earthquake in celebration as the Son of God had come up out of the grave. Uh, there's a change in their going. Uh, there's a change, my friend, even in the ground. Uh, but then notice in verse number two, there's a change in the grave, amen? For the Bible said, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and he rolled back the stone from the door and set upon it, amen? You think about the resurrection this morning and the change that was in the grave. Calvary was full of trinities. You say, what do you mean? I'm talking about the trinities at Calvary. When you think about there was three crosses, wasn't there? There was three piercings. The side, the hands, the, the feet, amen, uh, that, uh, that spoke, uh, uh, my friend, of our Lord. And each one, there was three languages that was written on the cross that day as Pilate uh, put up the, uh, those three, uh, three different uh, titles that was given uh, in those languages there uh, at Calvary. Uh, uh, my friend, when you think about, there was three rendings. Uh, the veil was rent, the rocks rent, the heart of Jesus rent. Uh, there's trinities all around Calvary. There was three seals set at the tomb. There was the seal. There was the stone. There was the soldiers that was there that was to be a watch. All these trinities of Calvary. What was that saying? That's saying that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost all had a part in what was taking place on resurrection morning in the crucifixion and in the resurrection. And when I look at this text this morning, there's a change in the grave. The stone is rolled away. The seal has been broken. The soldiers, uh, the guards, notice the change uh, in these guards. Uh, the Bible said his countenance talking about the angel in verse three was like lightning, his raiment white as snow. Now notice verse four, for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead, dead men. I want to tell you, men are no match for Calvary. Men are no match for the Lord Jesus Christ. As strong as a man may seem, as, 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 as bold and as prideful as he may be in the presence of God, all men shake, all men quiver. I want to tell you this morning that these soldiers thought they were big bad dudes. Uh, they put the strongest men that was standing securing that tomb. Uh, probably no doubt some of the meanest men were standing there. But when that angel rolled that stone away and they stood in the presence, my friend, of sovereignty, they shook like every other other man's going to shake. I think about those that do not know Christ. One day they'll stand before God. We'll all stand before God one day. At the judgment seat of Christ, those of us that are saved, the great white throne judgment for those who are lost, amen. There's the judgment of the nations, the judgment of this world. Hell in itself is a judgment. God is a God of mercy, he's a God of grace, he's a God of wrath, but he's also a God of judgment. And can I tell you this morning, all who stand in his presence uh, will stand amazed, will stand in fear. Uh, my friend, we'll tremble. It'll be a reverential fear for those of us that are saved, uh, but for those that are lost, my friend, uh, fear will grip them 
them like no other. You say, well, I'll plead my case. I want to tell you something, friend. Have you ever been afraid, so afraid that you could not even speak? I mean, that it just took your vocal cords. It just took your breath. That's where these men were. They feared it, my friend. The resurrection took their breath away. And can I tell you, the judgment will take our breath away. If you don't know God, you need to get saved this morning. He got up so that, thank God, you could get up. He died so so that you wouldn't have to die and go to hell. I'm telling you, my friend, notice the change in this resurrection morning. There could be a change in you today. Hey, look at me for just one second. If you're still the person you always have been, then you've never been saved. There's no change of desire. You saw a preacher, I wasn't out in deep, dark, gross sin. I didn't drink and smoke and all them other things. I understand that. I'm talking about, friend, when you get saved, you may have been raised in church all your life, but when you get saved, God puts a desire in you to love the things of God. If you don't love the things of God, if you can't wait to get away from church and get away from the things of God, if you've never had that desire, you need to check up this morning, friend. You've never been to Calvary. I notice the change. Secondly, I want you to notice the comfort in this life of the resurrection. Verse number five. Look what the Bible said. The angel answered and said unto the woman. Now this angel is going to comfort them, uh, comfort these women. This angel is going to comfort these women. Notice with words as the angel says, fear not ye. The angel answered and said unto the women, fear not ye. I'm glad that is the message of the resurrection is that we do not have to fear. The Bible said that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I quoted it earlier in Sunday school. What time I'm afraid, the psalmist said, I will trust in thee. The Bible said that perfect love casteth out fear. We don't have to live our life in fear. Why? Because if Jesus is God enough to conquer death, hell, and the grave, he is God enough to conquer anything that you and I will ever face in this walk of life. Amen? And the comfort is in the word. The comfort we find is in the word of God. Amen. If there's something you're struggling with this morning, if there's something that's defeated you this morning, I'm gonna tell you where your comfort's gonna be found. I'm gonna tell you where your help's gonna come from. It's gonna come from the word of God. Amen. You see, when we live in fear as Christians, we live in fear because we choose to, not because we have to. Just like on this morning, there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of wonder. There was a lot of anticipation. But God had words of comfort. Fear not. And there was words of comfort in this angel's wisdom. As he said, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. Can I tell you this morning, heaven knows the intents of our heart. Heaven knows what we're seeking after this morning. We can put a suit and tie on or a dress and come to church and you can fool the preacher, you can fool family, we can fool people around us, but we can't fool God this morning. Proverbs 15 and verse three said, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Behold the evil and the good. God sees everything. And listen, uh, the Bible said in the book of Samuel that God, man looketh on the outward appearance, but God looketh on the heart. Uh, God knows my heart. He knows your heart this morning. The Bible said in Hebrews four and verse number 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts uh, and the 
intents of our heart. You see, the word of God knows uh, what's in our heart this morning. And I want to tell you, heaven knows uh, what's in our heart this morning. Uh, God knows if we're seeking after him. God knows if we're hungry for him this morning. I want to tell you, my friend, uh, when you think about this text, uh, the words, uh, the wisdom, this angel had a word because this angel knew why they were there this morning. It's Easter Sunday. Why are you here this morning? It's traditional in America and that's not much of a tradition anymore. It's traditional in America for those who have a little bit of religion to generally go to church on Easter, Mother's Day and Father's Day and at Christmas time. And I'm not fussing. If you're visiting and you say, well, I don't go to church and and I came because it's Easter, I want you to to know, number one, we're thrilled to death you're here. But I want to say this to you. Don't let this be the only Sunday you go to church. Come back. If what you have is real, come back next Sunday. And the Sunday after that. And the Sunday following but for some people, Easter is buy a new dress or buy a new suit or, or buy a nice hat and, and go to church on Sunday morning and, and then do whatever you want to do the rest of the day. That's not Easter, amen? Hey, we got some folks that went camping, but they got up and came to church on, on Easter Sunday. And when they came in this morning, I said, hey, you don't know what that did for me as your pastor, seeing that you didn't stay out on the lake on Easter Sunday. I think camping's a good thing. Somebody say amen right there. Fishing's a good thing, amen. But they had enough grit in God to say, well, I'm gonna still go to church and take my family to church on Easter Sunday. Hey, there's a lot of people, Easter's just, just an egg hunt. That's all it is. And if they don't know God, you understand. I'm not not fussing about that, but if you say that you're saved, uh, it ought to have a significant meaning to you this morning. It doesn't matter if you got a new suit on or if you got an old suit. It doesn't matter if you got a new dress or an old dress. Uh, that's not got anything to do with Easter. Can I get a witness on that? Uh, uh, listen, I don't care if you eat an egg this morning. Uh, if you want to, help yourself. Amen? But that is not Easter this morning. Uh, Easter's about a resurrected Lord. Uh, Easter's about seeking Jesus. Uh, and seeking him and knowing that he was crucified and that he rose again. And this angel had a comfort and its comfort is found in its words and it's found in its wisdom. And then look at verse number six. The comfort is found in its witness. Amen. Look what the angel said. He's not here for he is risen. And then notice what he said. He said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. A little bit later on, he's going to tell them in verse number nine to go and tell. I want to tell you that is the message of the Easter message is come and see and go and tell. We're to come and see and we're to go and tell. And in verse number six, I find that there's comfort in this witness that Jesus is not in the grave. If you go to Israel, if you go to the tomb, and you, my friend, you walk in that tomb, you'll find not the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I listen, we know that according to this text here that the chief priests uh, bribed those soldiers and said, now you go out and tell everybody uh, that, uh, uh, that, he's, that, that his disciples came and stole him away. Why? Because 
because religion hates Christianity, amen? And religion didn't want uh, uh, people to believe that Christ was who he said he was, uh, but he was who he said he was. Uh, he said, I'll lay my life down, and he said, I'll take it up again, amen? He said, if you'll destroy this temple, he said, I'll build it back up in three days. Uh, he wasn't talking about a building. Uh, he was talking about his body, amen? Uh, and three days after he dismissed his spirit, he arose from the dead, uh, and thank God he's alive. Uh, he's alive this morning, uh, and that is the witness. Uh, we don't serve a dead God, uh, but he is alive this morning. You see, when you come in, we have a cross there this morning, but we don't have a crucifix. There's no dead Savior hanging on that cross this morning. You say, well, well, they must have forgot that. No, it's empty on purpose. Because as we sung that old song this morning, the old rugged cross, uh, the reason it, it gives us such joy to sing about the cross, the reason the cross, as the songwriter said, is an emblem of suffering and an emblem of shame. Uh, there's nothing good about the cross within itself. Uh, it was pain and punishment, uh, and it, it was the mark uh, of a criminal until Jesus Christ died upon that cross. Uh, and the reason uh, we glory in the cross, as Paul put it in Galatians chapter 6, uh, is because the one that hung on that cross, uh, he defeated the cross. Uh, he carried our sins. Uh, he placed them on his back. Uh, he put them on the cross. Uh, he nailed them to the cross. Uh, and thank God he bore our sin. Uh, he bore our shame. Uh, he bore our suffering. Uh, but he did not stay on the cross. Amen. Uh, he did what no, ever, no other man could do. Uh, he came down from the cross. Uh, he resurrected from the tomb. Uh, and thank God this morning uh, we can glory glory in that cross, amen. And I notice the comfort that it gives. Then notice the change. Look at verse number seven and eight. The change in the fact that they're to share this message. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. You know, we should all do that today. We ought to tell somebody Jesus has risen from the dead. That he's alive this morning. Share the message. That, that is the message of the, of the resurrection is don't, don't just harbor it. Just don't sing about it on Easter Sunday and thank God for this day. But tell it all throughout the year. Tell others that our Savior is alive. Uh, that we worship a risen Savior. My friend, the, the charge here is to share the message. Uh, the charge is to see the Master. Look what he said in verse number 7. He said, uh, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. Can I tell you this morning that if you'll share the message, you will see the master. Amen. If you'll tell others about Jesus Christ, it'll make the resurrection more real to you and more real to me. You know why some people who are saved rejoice more over the gospel and rejoice more over the resurrection than other people who are saved? It's because they share it more. I'll give you a good example of that. Brother Tom Barnes was a good example of that. Brother Ken Atkins was a good example of that. You know something those two men always had in common? They didn't know each other until they came to this church. I don't know that they ever had a whole lot of personal conversations with each other. But you know what both of those men, why, what they both had in common? They were always happy, wasn't they? They were always smiling. I was in Walmart one day and I, I was going down an aisle and I saw one of those little smiley tracks. And then I went a little bit further and I saw another smiley track. 
And I, and I had one of the young men from the church with me and I saw another and I said, you know who's been down this aisle, don't you? He put them everywhere he went. He was always happy, wasn't he? Brother Tom Barnes, I mean, he was always happy. He was, we'd go in a restaurant, we'd be, he'd be traveling with me to a meeting somewhere. We'd go in a restaurant and, and the lady would, 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 step, would step up and she'd say something and, and it wouldn't be but just a few minutes. He'd ask her a question. He'd say, ma'am, I want to ask you something. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? It didn't make no difference if she said she did or didn't. He's still going to give her a track, Amen. After she'd say she did, he'd pull one of them tracks out and give it to her. He said, well, you take this and, and read this and tears would swell up in his eyes and, and he'd get a little bit happy, try to contain himself just a little bit, but he is overrun with joy. It wasn't a burden to pass the track out. It wasn't a burden to tell somebody about Jesus. You say, why? Because he lived in light of that resurrection. He lived in that gospel message all the time. He's always thinking about it. He is always, is always cultivating in his heart uh, and so he just had to share it. You want the devil wants us to do about the resurrection just forget about it amen just forget about the gospel just think about it on Sunday but never think about it through the week we ought to always carry tracks with us we ought to always share the message you say why because when you share the message you see the savior amen it becomes real it gets joy I'm telling you it puts happiness the reason there's so many long sad faces in our churches today is because people do not share the gospel like they used to you say, preacher, I, I'm, not a good, I'm not good at witnessing. I'll tell you something about witnessing. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And we're never, none of us are great witness, people of witness. If we just tell people what Jesus did for us. Oh, there'll be some who'll reject it. There'll be some who'll tell you, oh, I don't want that. There'll be some that'll even curse you. But I'll tell you, for everyone that ever tells you they don't want that or just walks on or, or says something, guess what? It's worth that one that you come across that's interesting. I'm so amazed in the Jubilee how that Brother Samuel Freed's grandmother had said to him, I had never been to a church service in her life other than a synagogue. And she said, I want to come. I want to come to this service. I want to see what this Jubilee is about. Brother Samuel leaves on Tuesday, drives an hour uh, and a half to Atlanta, picks her up, brings her back in, not knowing what's, what's happened. They pull up in the parking lot. They're sitting in the parking lot and service has already started and they're sitting there and he's been witnessing to her coming all the way up the road and as they're sitting there in the parking lot, she says to him, she says, uh, she said, but Samuel, she said, I just don't understand how, that, uh, how Christians can believe that Jesus is man, but, but yet he's God. She said, that doesn't make sense to me sitting in the parking lot at Temple Baptist Church and they come in as they come in. Brother Ouellette is getting up to preach and, and if you heard Brother Ouellette's message you know this to be true. If not I challenge you to go listen to it but probably 15 to 20 minutes of the first part of that sermon is him just making one comparison after another. I watched him come in and sit down as he was reading his text and I thought well praise God she's here. He's not two minutes into his sermon and he starts talking about how that Jesus Jesus uh, uh, was man uh, uh, when he hungered, uh, but he was God when he turned those stones uh, or when he, when he broke those fishes and, and, turn, and, and multiplied that bread. Uh, he talked about uh, how that he was man uh, when he was born. Uh, uh, my friend there as a babe in Bethlehem, but he was God. Uh, how that he came through a virgin's womb uh, and just one comparison after another. Uh, how that he was man when he slept on the boat, uh, but he was God when he stepped out and he spoke to the wind and the wave. Uh, 
and said, peace be still. He talked about how that he was man when he suffered on the cross, but he was God when he come up out of the tomb and he resurrected. And for 20 minutes, he spoke about that. I didn't know they had that conversation, but God knew all about it. He was listening in the truck and God just sent that message by. And then he started talking about one person after another getting saved and getting born again. You say, what is that? I'll tell you what that is. If you're willing to share the message, you'll see the master, amen. He'll show up where you're at if you're sharing that message, amen. Then I want to say in closing this morning, not only do I note the charge, but I note the confrontation. Look at verse number nine. The Bible said, and as they went to tell his disciples, behold, notice this, Jesus met them, saying all hell, and look at this, and they came and held him by the feet, and they worshiped him. You know what they did in verse number nine? They worshiped at the feet of Jesus on Resurrection Sunday. On the very first Easter morning, in verse number nine, what are they doing? They're worshiping at his feet. You know, that's what we're to do today. The Bible said in verse number nine that they held him by the feet. They got as close to him as they could. And they held our Savior by the feet. We ought to worship at the feet of Jesus on Resurrection Sunday. I noticed their obedience. The Bible said in verse number 9 that they went to tell his disciples. The obvious Jesus met them. He did what he said he would. The opportunity, they came and they held him by the feet and they worshipped him. That's an opportunity to worship Christ. You see, this morning it's a tragedy if you come to church and leave the same way you come. If you come to church, we've all done it before. Our mind be on everything else. That's why it's so important to get up early on Sunday. Somebody say amen. Drink you a cup of coffee. Eat you a breakfast. Do something. Turn a radio on. Listen. Read a, read a, read a, a, a out of your Bible. Listen to a, a, a message or place a, play a song, amen. play a CD, play a record if you got one, play an eight track if you got one, amen. I don't care what you play. Play something. I do care what you play. I don't care what you play it on, amen. Let me make that straight. But you ought to, but you ought to prepare yourself on Sunday. Because listen, it'd be sad to get up on Sunday, put on a new set of clothes, iron them, crease it, Curl your hair, you ladies. Put that makeup on, you ladies. Your jewelry, you ladies. Comb your hair, men. Brush your teeth. Take a shower, all those things. You don't do it in that order, but you do all those things. Be a tragedy to do all that. Shine your shoes. Make sure you stand in that mirror for a good while, making sure everything's presentable, fixing everything. You're preparing everything on the outside. But you didn't prepare anything. Let me do the preaching now this morning. But you didn't prepare anything on the inside. Some people wonder why they come to church and they leave empty. The simple question is this. How long did you spend this morning preparing? You see, when they saw Jesus, here's what they saw. They saw it an opportunity to get at His feet and worship Him. That's what church is. 
It's an opportunity to get at His feet this morning and worship Him. Hey, that's what Bible reading and devotional time is. It's just an opportunity to get at His feet. And can I tell you something about that this morning? The devil will try anything in the world to get you to miss that opportunity. I got up yesterday morning, the devil said, now you know you got to mow the yard. You got to get the pollen off the porch. That's what he told me. Got the car washed. I hadn't cleaned my garage out in seven months. But he told me yesterday, he said, you know, you got to clean the garage out. It's your only chance. I said, you know, thank you, devil, for reminding me of all them things. I'm going to do every one of them if I can today. But first, I'm going to do the more needful part. Because if the garage don't get cleaned out, it's been seven months and it didn't get cleaned out, by the way. I've been fighting that garage for two years. The pollen didn't get off the porch. I got a little off, but I didn't get all of it off. It'll be okay. But an opportunity to be at his feet, you ought to never want to miss. I should never want to miss. That's why it's important. That's why we have church on Sunday night. On Easter Sunday. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, I got to go see my family. Go see them, but hurry back. I got this massive egg hunt at 5 o'clock. We done been down that road. I'm not even going to preach on it. (laughs) Well, preacher, I only get to see them once a year on Easter and all them liberal churches take Sunday night off. That's why they're liberal. Well, I believe in, isn't it amazing when people started that and said, well, we just, you know, we just believe in family. Well, I do too. But there's no, there's no more beautiful of a picture than a family worshiping together in church. This morning, notice one last thing as they get us a song ready. Look at verse 10. Notice the orders. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. You know what Jesus is doing in chapter 28? He is showing himself to anybody that's willing to see him. But you've got to be in the right place if you're going to see Jesus in Matthew 28. You've got to be in Galilee. You had to be at the tomb. You had to be. Thomas and Judas had one thing in common if they didn't have anything else. Thomas was a, he was a believer and an unbeliever. <laughs> Judas was completely an unbeliever. But they had one thing in common. It was two empty seats at that table when Jesus showed up that day. Both of them missed out.